Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope everyone had a very wonderful new year, new day, new hope uh, in the USC Trojan football community. And we're going to talk to the coach Harvey Hyde about switching over to 2022 and what USC fans could be looking forward to as far as the new football season with, of course, Lincoln Riley as the head coach. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, please follow us, the Peristyle Podcast, and leave us a five-star rating. The numbers have been absolutely through the roof, so we appreciate all of that. And the, the feedback and the five-star ratings help grow that. But, of course, having a head coach like Lincoln Riley and excitement in the fan base helps uh, that all that stuff as well. we got a bunch of different topics we want to get to today. Uh, putting a bow on the Pac-12 football season, where the Pac-12 goes from here. The roster, we are starting to see some of that turnover that Lincoln Riley talked about. 35 guys or so he thought could be uh, churned over on the roster. You know, cha- uh, a big, you know, significant change to the makeup of the roster from 2021 to 2022. So we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, give you an update on where USC is as far as the assistant coaching. Staff is concerned. There's been some changes there. Guys, you thought we're going to join. They end up going somewhere else. So we'll talk to the coach about all that and answer your questions. But let's not waste any time. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. He is the coach. Harvey Hyde, longtime USC analyst, former UNLV head coach. It's 2022. Coach, new new year, new season to talk about, new football, new excitement in the air. Welcome back to the show, and uh, thanks for coming on again. Well, thank you very much, and Happy New Year to everyone out there. You know, Ryan, I haven't spoken to you since 2021. It's been a long time. So it's been almost a year. We're into 2022 now, and now we get back and get going, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it, too, and uh, it's always great. We'll try to keep a more regular schedule now. Like, obviously, the holidays, everything was a little bit nutty. I think we'll get back into a normal routine. Hopefully, everyone out there is uh, ready to get to work. And uh, start forward and being safe out there. Um, and there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the world, as usual. It's been the case the last couple of years. So hope you guys are all being safe. But, Coach, I wanted to start off talking about the Pac-12. And if you don't know, uh, the Pac-12 finished the bowl season uh, with a perfect record. Not the good way. 0-5. And, and if you can include last year, the 2020 uh, shortened pandemic season, uh, 0-2 in that season. So 0-7 in the last uh, seven bowl games for the Pac-12, even though, you know, Kyle Whittingham and the Rose Bowl, we'll talk about that. I know you, uh, you're you a big Rose Bowl guy. Uh, his Kyle Whittingham has a great record in bowl games and had several 14-point leads in that one, but uh, loses it in the end to Ohio State. Uh, but overall, it looked pretty good for the conference starting the season coach uh, with wins for Oregon over Ohio State uh, in the Horseshoe, LSU, gets pushed around by UCLA in the Rose Bowl. You're thinking, well, there's some positive things going on. But in this this season, Coach, nine wins against FBS opponents versus 23 losses for the Pac-12. Uh, man, even a couple FCS losses. There's some bad uh, football <laughs> playing in the Pac-12 right now, Coach. But I wanted to get your overall assessment because really, I mean, this conference laid an egg in the bowl season and maybe that's positive for Lincoln Riley because it's just it's not a very strong conference right now. But um, what do you think, Coach, of how the uh, the Conference of Champions has been faring? Well, it hadn't been positive, Ryan, and uh, I think we're all aware of that. There's been a lot of negative things as far as the television package, the changing of commissioners, which was a positive move. You look at the whole situation currently right now, the Pac-12, and who's to blame for it? Well, nothing but the universities themselves and the leadership of their past commissioner. They had to be aware of what they, where they were headed and what was going on in their football programs and the emphasis that they demanded or wanted. But you can't talk about it. You have to make a commitment to it, and you have to be able to commit uh, uh, and commute and get it done. 
and they've lacked to do that. They've uh, re- they renewed Larry Stone's contract after the television contract that he made. They hired a guy at that time that had never had any experience as far as being a conference commissioner or around college athletics whatsoever. So when that happens, you know, you're you're at a point of uh, where you're competing against a Jim Delaney and some of these other commissioners, and you're really uh, in the back of the bus, I would say. You're, you're learning as you're sitting in meetings, and you're afraid to talk because they'll eat you up. So that's what's happened, and again, uh, it's it's there at that bottom, and again, as you mentioned, it's a good time for Lincoln Riley to come in, because it can't get any worse, and USC hasn't won a bowl game, and I don't know how long, I guess the Rose Bowl game, when Sam Darnold won that exciting game in the Rose Bowl. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really in a, uh, in a state of shock, and I think a, a state of a lot of critical things going on and talking about them throughout the country. And my number one thought is it's going to be very hard for these coaches to recruit the Pac-12. How easy is it going to be for Lincoln Riley, even though he has a great reputation and he won in the Big 12 and won at Oklahoma, but how do you talk some of these great players into coming to USC now with the conference the way it is and the television package the way it is and you know you uh, and the same university so there's still that recruiting going on against you and uh, I think it's going to be very difficult but again the other coaches in the same in the same conference have the same problem so there's hope uh, as far as for USC as far as if anybody's going to turn it around it will be him and it's the best year for him to come because everybody else is a maybe and USC has the greatest tradition and possibly the, the best players, I would hope, currently now in the Pac-12, where they'd have a chance to win the Pac-12 and have some type of decent season where people at USC would have some type of Trojan pride and players would want to come to USC because of the changing of the program. Yeah, yeah, I think the good news for USC is they have picked up uh, the, the class of 2023 is uh, you know very bright right now as far as high end talent. So it, it seems like that's at least going the right direction. That might actually help the PAC 12 overall. Uh, George Klyovkov, who I got to talk to a little bit in uh, Las Vegas for the PAC 12 championship game. And then he did a, a recent interview with the Los Angeles times and said some of the similar, some similar things, but he's someone that's aware of the recruiting coach, like you mentioned, and he, he, he talked about it and how there's an uptick at USC and um, you know, how the, the PAC 12 in general needs to recruit better. And he felt like, investing in football for the the schools and the programs is something that I don't think was encouraged as much before. He's trying to get that to happen. And he's saying it's not, doesn't have to be uh, to the detriment of the Olympic sports that if you make football better, it makes everything else better as well. So I think that's something he's been uh, pushing. He's, you know, he talked about the TV rights deal that you mentioned. He said there's 30 months left and he's counting the the minutes, I believe. Um, to when that's over, there's a possibility that they could do something earlier. But he said that what they inherited, um, pretty ironclad contracts, it's probably going to be hard uh, to get out of. But it seems like he's jumping at the bit, ready to do whatever he needs that needs to be done. But man, he it's uh, it's a tough pill to swallow when you see how bad the the conference has performed. But if you, you haven't checked out that uh, interview in the LA Times, uh, it's a it's a good one too. But um, it seems like George Klaus is doing the right things, but it's just it, it's going to be tough. He said statistically it was the worst um, non-conference performance since 1983. So he's aware uh, that the, the conference didn't perform well. Well, Ryan, you're exactly right. And everyone else knows that, too. And everybody uses that in recruiting when they talk about the Pac-12. I've been a recruiter all my life. And I know exactly what you talk about as far as the opportunities when the Mountain West Conference can now talk about hey, why wouldn't you come to our school? They couldn't even beat us this year. We were 5-0-1 in bowl games. What are you talking about? So all of these other schools now can take aim at you, all the universities, and go after the same type of players that you're recruiting. At least I did when I was at UNLV. I didn't want all the players. I just wanted my share of the players. And I mentioned that all players can't play at UNLV, and basically that's what we went on. We went after some of the great players. We got some of the great players, but we weren't expecting to get them all. So, you know, other schools now have this positive vibe that they can go in and recruit the area along with all these other big uh, five uh, conferences and, and compete for players now in the Pac-12. And, you know, you talk about the 2023 class, people aren't going to stop recruiting those players. 
uh, everybody's going to be watching exactly what happens with this coming season. And remember, with all the excitement of Lincoln Riley coming to USC, where players got all excited, they got all excited, and they said, oh, I'm going, now I'm going to USC. That's where I want to go. Now let's see what happens. There's still another year before these players can sign. And then one player making the comment, the reason I signed is because Dante Williams is there. Well, shouldn't it be because Lincoln Riley is there also? So it's a lot of these things that I have in my mind that I'm saying, let's see what happens. And also the excitement of coaches coming to USC and then all of a sudden leaving USC. I have some questions on that. How can that happen when you go to USC and you're ready to uh, coach and recruit and you recruited for USC and then all of a sudden you leave? to go to another university. It's not like you're going to a better university. You are a traditional university at USC. So what's wrong with them staying at USC? Is the contract not what they expected? Is USC not what they expected? These are all the questions I have in my mind as a recruiter when I'm recruiting against Lincoln Riley. All right, Coach. Well, let's move on to the roster turnover. So if you haven't checked it out on the site over at uscfootball.com, I uh, put our initial 2022 um, scholarship distribution chart up there where we chart every player that's on scholarship uh, on the team, on the roster, and by class. And so you can kind of see the breakdown uh, of where guys are. This team is really uh, young as of right now. The, char- the The latest chart I have as of Monday morning 78 scholarship players that we're aware of. There's going to be some guys that just haven't declared yet or, or moved on that will. So that number is definitely going to go down. But 23 freshmen, 37 sophomores. So that's where most of everyone is because you had a lot of people. The 2020 and 2021 classes were essentially combined because you didn't have uh, any eligibility lost uh, for that COVID season. And then I have nine juniors and nine seniors currently uh, listed on the chart. And we did have some breaking news uh, a couple of days ago. I think it was, yeah, maybe it was January 1st. Keely Yor posted and uh, broke the news that uh, Joseph Manjack, the uh, former three-star receiver that had a lot of hype and uh, it looked really good in fall camp, uh, we didn't see him much during the season, uh, was going to enter the transfer portal. He did the next day. So he's the latest to go in the transfer portal. But um, you also know Jacob Lichtenstein, the defensive lineman. He's going to Miami. Hunter Eccles has entered the portal. Chase Williams, a defensive back. Uh, the linebacker, Raymond Scott. Keaton Slovis, quarterback. He's going to pit. Um, Parker Lewis, the kicker. Keaton Kristen, the uh, running back. Uh, Liam Douglas, the offensive lineman. And uh, also Giuliano Falonico, the other linebacker. Um, those those are the, the players that have currently entered the portal as of now. And then going to the NFL, um, Drake London, uh, Jalen McKenzie. Kanai Mauga, the linebacker, Chris Steele, the cornerback who just signed with an agent uh, today. Uh, Greg Johnson, another defensive back. Uh, Isaac Taylor-Stewart and uh, Drake Jackson. So those Isaac Taylor-Stewart and Drake Jackson made their announcements recently. Drake Jackson announced he was signed with an agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Um, so those are some of the players that have gone. I know Lincoln Riley, during the early signing period, coach, uh, that press conference, Talked about roster turnover of 35 players or more. Um, so significant. We haven't, we're getting there. I mean, I mean, we're nowhere close to that number yet. Uh, there's going to be more guys. You know, we still haven't heard like from a Keontae Ingram that you expect to go to the NFL, guys like that. Um, but overall, coach, uh, just kind of your thoughts on the roster turnover, where it is so far and, um, you know, where you think it could go. Well, I think it's good for the program and good for the players that are leaving. Because when you have a change in coaching staffs, you know, you really don't know what to expect. And I'm sure that Lincoln Riley has uh, gone through all of these players and observed them and probably met with them and said, you know, if you can find a place that might be the best for you, because we really don't use you in our system as far as he loves speedy receivers. I mean, guys that are all 4-5, type of guys, and maybe some of those receivers can't play his type of offense, and the same with the defensive side of the football. He wants quick guys, quick guys that can cover, guys that can move around in gaps and get after people and penetrate the defense, and maybe some of the guys that left can't do that. So you look at the corner's position and the guys that are leaving to go to the NFL, maybe they should go to the NFL. When you see two uh, pretty good corners coming in that are freshmen and ready to play, that 
maybe you think it's your time to go and, and it's a good time to go. So I respect both sides of it. I, I've had to go through that when I first went to UNLV and evaluated the talent and uh, looked at the talent and said, we've got to upgrade our talent to play against the best opponent we play. Otherwise we don't have a chance. So I'm sure that, uh, Coach Riley has done that, evaluated the talent, and if there was somebody there he really wanted to keep, I think he'd recruit him back. But I think that it's good to, to sort of uh, uh, clear the air and have uh, new uh, players that are loyal to him and his program, his coaches, and the ones who want to stay got to understand the type of program they're going to be in and what his demands are as far as a real football program, not one that's a play around or or intramurals or anything like that. You're going to dedicate yourselves to the game of football. And I think this is a big adjustment as far as for the players that were at USC who are leaving because it wasn't that type of football player uh, program. It was a soft type of football program. We all know that. It's not me telling you that. It was the air raid and, and, and all the different things that we were critical on, not wanting to be, but being honest with people. So I think being honest with players as far as – what you expect, what offense we're going to run, the type of defense we're going to run. These players are smart enough to understand that's not my style, so it's best for me to leave. Yeah, good points, Coach. Uh, I would say for USC fans looking at the the guys in the portal, um, we're seeing this a lot, right? When there's going to be a new head coach, there's going to be roster turnover. Even when there's not, um, there's going to be roster turnover. You know, we should mention um, – you know, USC did pick up a couple of guys, uh, defensive lineman Earl Barquette from TCU, but also uh, Bobby Haskins, the uh, tackle from Virginia. You know, Bronco Mendenhall's, you know, stepping down. He's gone, and Haskins was there for four years and wanted to look someplace else for his final year. He's already graduated and probably going to come in and be USC's left tackle. So there's some benefits there, too. But my guess is, Coach, there's, you know, there has to be heart-to-heart talks, and I think Lincoln Riley made this clear he was going to be honest with players and there's guys on this roster that I'm sure he and his staff don't feel are going to be the level that they want uh, for their staff. And they would rather, and we saw this during the recruiting cycle, they didn't just sign bodies to get more bodies in. Um, You know, they, if there was someone that was committed to USC that they didn't feel would be um, competing for, for spots or contributing to the team, uh, they let them know like, Hey, you know, where it's probably better for you to go sign somewhere else, right? And I think it's the same thing with guys in the transfer portal. Now, there might be some players that just like, hey, I want to leave. Clayout was my guy, whatever. But, you know, this is basically anyone you see going in the portal most likely isn't the right fit. Now, some people just, they just want to go. It's like, this has been too much turmoil. I want to go someplace else. I want to go closer to home, whatever it is. Um, Let's just start going back to Florida, you know. But I think a lot of the cases, Coach, it's going to be, Lincoln Riley and his staff having a heart to heart with a, a player that I don't see you being a contributor. It might be better for you to go into the the portal. I think there's true, honest conversations going on. And that's, you know, why you're going to see over the next several months, uh, players enter and, you know, enter the portal from USC and then uh, transfer into USC from the portal. Exactly, Ryan. You're going to see more after spring practice, too, because it'll probably be a different type of spring practice than what has been in the past, but you've got to find out who's a football player and who wants to be a football player. And I think you'll find a different type of spring practice than you've ever seen before at USC. And when you talk about the portal as far as players leaving, you've got to look at the portal coming in. And you've got to say, now, these players we bring in are better than the players we have, or don't bring them. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't bring somebody that can't start for you or make it better than what you are, then you're just in trouble. And that's what USC did in the past. I mean, they brought some players in, and I don't want to use their names as far as in the portal. It never contributed one bit. It would have been better off with a great freshman or something. They just took players to take players without any ream or riser or what they're doing. So now there'll be a different reason. And this big tackle you're talking about coming from Virginia, is he uh, an all-conference player? No, he's an honorable mention player. But obviously, all conference in the ACC, but obviously, obviously, he's better than what they have, they feel. So you take somebody that's better than what you have. And right now, you know, they don't have the demands like this defensive lineman they took from TCU. He plays their type of defense. He's a good gap guy as far as a down guy. I've watched him play. So he's better than what they have. 
but he's got some speed and agility at the same time. No, he wasn't a five-star player. He was a three-star player, but he's played football, and he's better than what they have. So when you bring portal players in, they got to be able to play or don't bring them at all. Because, you know, I'm too, it's really too bad they didn't get that defensive lineman from Virginia that went to Michigan. He was first-team all-conference, and he was a beast. But they got this other tackle, and they brought him because they've got to believe he's better than what they have. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's the – and we heard that during the recruiting process, Coach, when he was out for an official visit. You know, we had heard, and we put some stuff in the war room, you know, about this. Like, yeah, he looks better than – most of the guys that are already on the roster. So uh, there's some some cleaning up that's going to have to be done, and we'll see what Lincoln Riley's able to do. Um, guys that are still on the team, I mean, you, guys like Andrew Voorhees and Brett Nealon, uh, it's great that they're coming back. I think it shows, not that they just want to stick around too, but also that Lincoln Riley thinks that they can play. Otherwise, I don't think they would be there. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be, I think how the offensive line has worked is going to be really interesting, but it looks like they have their, their left tackle of the future uh, coming in there. Right, I believe that. Uh, but again, I don't think Vores is possibly. I think Vores will play a tackle at USC, either the right side or the left side. I'm not quite sure. But, uh, he pulls his guards a lot and does a lot of trapping and runs up the middle and does different things, counter sweeps and things with his running game. And you've got to be able to run pretty good. And Vores is a big kid, and he's going to find just exactly what his agility is, is be, being able to kick out or get up the hole. So, He's going to have to evaluate every single one of these players. There's no nobody right now is, oh, he's a tackle, he's a guard, whatever. Right now, their new offensive line coach is evaluating when he has time, evaluating all their techniques, who can run, who can pull, who can do this, the bat, who, who can fit our offensive style. And so right now, it's hard to say who's going to play where because I really believe they're going to put them where they can perform the best on what they do. Yeah. Uh, let's shift over to the coaching staff a little bit. If you haven't checked it out, we have a great thread that's been going on. I think it has over a million views, which is crazy. Um, the uh, Chris Trevino's, yeah, it does. Um, tracking Lincoln Riley's coaching staff, and he's up to version like thirteen point eight right now. But this, there's been some some changes along the way. Uh, if you remember, Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, brought over Dennis Simmons uh, and Alex Grinch when he flew on the plane. But since then. Uh, there's names that you thought were going to come, uh, like Biedenbaugh on the offensive line that he didn't, didn't end up coming. Um, there's a couple guys that were covering, you know, tweeting about USC or changing their profile to USC, and they're no longer uh, in play. Um, it's crazy stuff. So, like, you know, for example, the um, as far as the uh, running back coach, Deshard uh, Choice from Georgia Tech, um, yeah, it looked like USC was getting him. He's no longer coming. Same thing on the you know on the defensive line, uh, as far as like where USC was going to go there. You, it was um, Jamar Kane was expected uh, to come to USC, um, and he had a bunch of West Coast ties. Well, at LSU hires him away. More recently, uh, it does look like USC filled the. Running back role with uh, Keo McDonald, not official yet, but he did lead the Utah running back coach, and they've obviously had a lot of success at Utah. Um, known to be a really great recruiter, he actually tweeted out uh, this weekend that he was uh, leaving Utah, and there's you know USC stuff in his uh, profile, and so you know take it for what it's worth because that stuff has been happening. But um, it looks like Keo McDonald is going to be the running back coach. Uh, Zach Henson. Coming over as tight end coach, uh, the two wide receiver coach, Dave Nichols and Dennis Simmons. Uh, Josh Henson, really highly regarded uh, offensive line coach and part OC along with Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, Alex Grinch, we mentioned, uh, linebacker coach, probably Brian Odom. Uh, Grinch is going to coach the safeties. And then you have Roy Manning, the cornerbacks coach. And then Dante Williams, some sort of defensive back coach who's going to be retained. Looks like the only one that's going to be retained. But that's where we are right now for what we understand the coaching staff to be. But any thoughts on that? And just the silly season coach going from head coaches changing jobs, but now it's assistant coaches too. Uh, they Assistant coach apparently signs somewhere and then leaves and goes somewhere else. I mean, I, Clay Helton did that back in the day, if you remember. I think he was becoming a offensive coordinator or something somewhere else, and uh, then Lane Kiffin hired him away. But it's 
It's happened a couple of times, I guess, so far for USC. Well, that happens, but normally it doesn't happen with schools like USC. As far as USC is a place that uh, you really uh, dream at as far as coaching, that Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, schools like that, uh, go on and on and on. Alabama, Clinton, I don't want to stop. Just pick out certain schools. But it's hard to believe that uh, they've lost a couple of these coaches uh, to other schools. And I would think right now it's possibly because of money. LSU will buy anything, pay anybody anything they want. I, I don't know where they get all their money, but they've got more money than anybody. So they're not afraid to pay for their coaches. And Brian Kelly, of course, is a name that uh, that uh, you feel like you want to work for. It's But yet uh, nobody came from Notre Dame to LSU, even if though they were offered more money, uh, you know, and I was surprised, to be completely honest with you, that more coaches from Oklahoma didn't follow Lincoln Riley. But then when I thought about it a lot, I looked at Oklahoma's football program, and Oklahoma is Oklahoma. I mean, they've been winning there every single year. The program's in place. Bobby Stoops, there wasn't any change of what went on. He took over and talked about the Oklahoma pride, and Oklahoma's going to be here whether you're here or not, and so on, and they drank the porridge and everything went great and basically they didn't lose anybody and they kept most of their coaches and DeMarco Murray, the running back coach who I thought would have been a great hire at USC, uh, swayed that coach yesterday or that player yesterday, the running back that was possibly going to come to USC, uh, back to Oklahoma and also recruited that great big tackle from Bishop Gorman where he went to school uh, to stay at Oklahoma. So, you know, that surprises me a little bit that maybe even some players didn't enter the portal from Oklahoma and come come to uh, USC. But again, I know that's a solid program there, and they won their bowl game and so on. Uh, uh, Williams, a quarterback, threw out a little dig after the game that, well, I'm going to be thinking about this for a while, but that's because he wants a little bit more pub, but he's not going anywhere. So, you know, it's, it, this is the game that people are playing today. And uh, I'm just surprised, really, I'm really surprised that USC has had trouble, if they call it trouble, if Lincoln Riley would call it trouble, in securing a, a staff that would be second to none. Yeah, I mean, I, we've had some, we actually have a couple of questions about that we'll get to a little bit later. And maybe, so let's, let's do that. When we, we can talk about that more when we get to the questions. Um, before we go, take a break and, and answer questions, Coach, uh, I know before we, we got on the, the, the line, you were talking about some of the stuff where I, I don't think you're a big fan of the direction college football is going. So I'll give you a, the floor to kind of talk about that before we get into questions. Brian, I have some concerns. And most of the coaches I talk to throughout the country, and I talk to a lot of them, they all have the concern of where college football is going. And I think uh, a lot of you that are listeners have concerns, too as far as what's happening with college football. Players are opting out. I'm not going to play in a bowl game. I don't want to play in the final game of the year. Uh, you know, I want to transfer. I want to do this. I want this. So I want to get paid for my images. All these things have happened. And, of course, there's court rulings and everything to make it all legal and so on. But I think we're really in a, a period of who, what the heck is going on in college football. I think that it's got to a point now where – uh, the universities and possibly the coaches and the athletic directors have lost control of college football. They've completely lost control. You have these bowl games that pay all the bills, okay, pay all the bills. They pay huge money to the universities and conferences to uh, have their players play and bring a show to everybody on New Year's Day or whatever day these bowl games are, and these players aren't playing in them. Not that we're not having great games, but they're deciding not to play. Well, that can't continue. I think that that you know when you make a make a commitment to a university, that means you make a commitment to the team, the university. You have an obligation to play with that team as long as that team is playing. Now, a lot of people's answer is, "Oh, yeah, that's easy to say for you, but what if that was your son and your son got hurt and then he couldn't be a first round draft choice?" Well, I don't know how many first round draft choices there are or second round draft choices there are. But me, I would look at a kid like Love, this linebacker from Utah, and I just love him because it didn't make any difference to him because he wanted to play. Now, Ohio State survived because they had a lot of great depth, and their receivers went ahead and played. You wouldn't even think that they missed the receiver at Ohio State. But a lot of universities don't have this type of depth. 
And when players don't play, like if USC would have gone to a bowl game and a lot of these players would have opted out, well, what are you doing? You're letting down your alumni. You're letting down your teammates, your coaching staff. You're, I'm not playing because I want to play at the next level. I mean, what kind of attitude is that? I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be, and I think they've got to change that. And I think the only way you can change that, first of all, is to have a commissioner for uh, the football programs. You've got to have a commissioner like you do in, in the NFL, and you've got to be have someone that puts in the rules and regulations that this is what we follow, and they work with the NFL. And if the NFL works with you, then you've got a chance. But if the NFL doesn't work with you, you don't have a chance. And the NFL says you'll finish your season and your obligation, or if you don't play, we can't draft you in the first round. I'm just throwing out for instances, okay? There could be a lot of these choices. Or if you don't play, then maybe we won't draft you till the third round, whatever that might be. Or the universities and the commissioner put this together. If you don't finish your season, then you have to repay your scholarship. Something that gives a loyalty to both sides. Yeah, we understand you're going the first round, so you're going to have a lot of money then, right? Then just pay us back our $60,000 that you didn't play this year, $70,000. Because obviously you're not fulfilling your responsibility to that university and your teammates. Now, yes, I know a lot of you are saying, oh, that's not going to happen. It can't happen. But if you want to save college football, it better happen. Otherwise, what are your bowl games going to mean? What are you going to mean if guys don't want to play? What is the national championship game uh, going to mean if, if two years from now Bryce Young says that they're in the championship? I'm not playing in this game. Now, what are you talking about? This is a national television, $100 million, $500 million game, and you, your Heisman Trophy winner's not going to play, but you might get hurt? I mean, there's got to be some type of control on where we're headed. The next thing that's going to happen, it's going to filter right down to the high schools. And the high schools, when they go into playoffs, they're going to say, well, I can't play anymore because I might get hurt and hurt my knee and I can't get a scholarship. Then those high school programs are going to lose their stars. They're not going to play because they're afraid they won't get a scholarship and they won't move on. Now, realistically, I've been around a long time, and every one of you are going to point out somebody that got hurt, like Matt Corral or somebody or the quarterback from Utah, which is going to be okay. How many players have been injured in bowl games that can never play again. How many? There's a few, but maybe the I, the way to do it is have insurance policies on players so that if they do play, they do get guaranteed a million dollars if they can never play again or five million or whatever it is. But there's got to be some type of unity here among college football and the NFL where college football survives. Because right now, the way it's going, who's in control of it? Who knows? You're at one school, you don't like that coach, you move to the next school. I'm second string, I'm moving to this school. I mean, there's no control. There's no loyalty. There's nothing that keeps college football together. That's just a summary. I could talk all day on this as far as what I'm thinking in my mind, and I haven't said this to anybody else, but this is what I'm thinking, and coaches I talk about say, well, what's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? Well, this is part of the way I'm thinking what the answer could be. All right, Coach. Um, interesting stuff there. You have strong opinions, which is good, always, as always. I'd love to hear from you on those uh, topics. Uh, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and answer some questions. So back in a minute. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We got some questions to get to, Coach. Uh, let's start off with, since we were just talking about the uh, changes to the assistant coaching staff and some of the things that were going on, Jack from New Jersey wrote in. He said, with the departure of Tashar Choice, we once again see the power of the Benjamins in this business. It is what it is. Uh, Coach Riley will move on. I agree with you there. Not an issue to waste time on. My question would be, uh, would Coach Riley consider running back coach Dylan McCullough from Indiana to coach running backs at USC, Jack from New Jersey. Now we already talked about, you know, who it looks like the next running back coach is going to be. I did hear that Dylan McCullough's name had come up and there was uh, at least some mutual interest on both sides. Didn't look like that went through, but uh, he was a, I thought he was a great uh, running back coach when he was at USC coach. 
Oh, I, I did take, and I think uh, I think he'd be a good move, and he was a good recruiter, and I, and in fact, that's where Stephen Carr went to play, play for him. He liked him. You know, there's a lot of great uh, quarterback running back. Palomala, how about him? Uh, he's with the, the Vikings now. Uh, I mean, here's a Trojan that comes, and he could be a Trojan on the staff, and so on. And uh, the Polynesian people love him, and. What a name, just name recognition. I'm just throwing out names. I mean, I don't know. There are great coaches. There's so many great coaches out there that do great recruiting and everything. But you got to have somebody bring people to their full potential. I think this is something that the Utah running back coach has done. If you watch their running backs play, they haven't been high-quality running backs as far as ratings, five-star, four-stars. But when you play them, those kids run, and they're fast, and they give you 100% all the time. And I think this is something that's really attracted Lincoln Riley to the running back coach at Utah because every single year, no matter who it is, they've had a running back, whether it's a portal player, a recruit, a junior college transfer. Every one of those players that have come to Utah and played has really played well. So I think he's got good credentials. He knows the West Coast. So I'm I'm very satisfied with that decision if that's what happens. Yeah. Short uh, choice uh, left. He got hired by Texas. Um, but Q McDonald, uh, you know, he's been at Utah since 2017. Um, he's actually, he was a, a GA in, uh, Arizona state, but he's regarded as one of U- Utah's top recruiters. So, um, yeah, I think it's a good choice there, but there was, you know, the, the good thing about you hire a really good head coach, even if you lose an assistant coach, you hire another good one. How many great assistant coaches has Nick Saban lost? He replaces them. And so that's what you gotta do. That's what happens. Um, no, when he replaces them, he replaces them with head coaches yeah. from Division One schools or head coaches from the NBA, NFL. Yeah, that's who his assistant coaches are. Not bad. Um, no, AJ from Los. So, but I, I would say, don't be concerned over USC losing assistant coach here or there. Like that's stuff like that's going to happen. Um, AJ from Los Angeles seems a little concerned. He said, "Did USC mislead Lincoln Riley about being fully committed?" to giving him whatever he needs to win. Seeing the Jamar Kane news, uh, him going to LSU, while watching Alabama and Georgia play was a discouraging way to end 2021. USC has such a long way to go to catch those two programs, and only being about 75% in is not going to cut it. They need to be all in. Uh, being unwilling to pay what it takes to hire assistant coaches Riley once, while schools like LSU and Texas have no problems doing so, is not being all in. AJ from LA. I'll give a quick thought. Yeah, I... I think USC's all in, AJ. Um, like I said, losing an assistant coach here or there, it's going to happen. And, you know, there wasn't just like one coach that they were looking at for each position. There were guys that 1A, 1B, 1C, whatever. Um, I think USC did a really good job uh, replacing Choice, and I'm sure they'll do a really good job replacing Kane. But I don't, I don't question their – they're not 75% in this. Uh, you wouldn't hire Lincoln Riley if you did. But any any thoughts you have, Coach? Yeah, um, I take, take it takes players, and I better get me some recruiters and some guys who coach too. I'll tell you, it's pretty. You become a pretty good coach when you have pretty good players. I've always found that out that I'm pretty good when I have great players. So you've got to have recruiters and coaches on your staff. And to catch up with Alabama and Georgia, you don't do that overnight. I really believe this. Now, this might be a smart aleck remark. I don't think an all-star team for the Pac-12 could beat Georgia or Alabama. I mean, I hate to tell you that. And no, they wouldn't be playing together as long as these players have played together. But what I saw as far as the two semifinal championship games, I saw nothing but great football teams as far as at every position playing so hard. If you watch the players play, they play hard on every single down, and they're all great players. So, you know, you've got to remember that they're so far ahead of most of the other schools in the country that it's going to take some time to get those type of players. But if you watch those players, they are big, strong, fast, and love the game of football. Now, that takes time to develop that type of program. Yeah, and uh, that leads us to a question from Frank in Sacramento. He said, the other conferences are all going to stink until they have NFL-caliber players on the offensive and defensive lines like Alabama and Georgia. You think the line play is a big part of it, Coach? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. When I watch those games, I watch the battles up front. I really do. 
what great battles there are between these great players. I mean, and watch them after the game. Take a look at their sizes and their arms and their body structures and so on. And you can just see the difference. I mean, these kids are completely built differently. And uh, when they get their turn, they know that, hey, I better take advantage of this turn because I'll never get another shot at it. And uh, the way the, the running backs, the running game they have, the way they play, and it's just it's a really it's exciting to watch the like watching those two games back to back was absolutely tremendous as far as seeing the ability of a Georgia football team and an Alabama football team against two teams that was supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, John in Oakland wrote in, uh, it's a little long, I'm going to condense this, but about the scholarship distribution chart that I put up there, one of the things I wrote was for 2022, uh, you're allowed to sign, as every year, 25 initial scholarship players. Um, But because of the NCAA transfer portal, you can actually sign up to 32, seven more to replace uh, seven transfers out of your program. So, Right now, USC already has more than seven transfers out. So USC will be able to bring in seven more initial scholarship players uh, through the transfer portal, uh, allowing uh, the signing, you know, for the, the overall signing period to get up to 32 instead of 25. But he was asking about uh, some of the logistics of that. He said um, USC has 79 scholarships used, which has seven early signees and two transfers in. Um, and kind of goes into what, you know, there's, there's nine that have transferred out. Can they get five more transfer in? Um, yeah. So, and right now it doesn't, the number right now doesn't matter the way, uh, football is a headcount sport. There's no partial scholarships. It goes from like summer to summer. So we're still part of 2021. Um, you know, right now, as far as, but the, when the roster turns over the summer and they start, um, you know, classes to go f- towards the 2022 season, that's when you have to be 85 or under. I mean, you have to be 85 or under the whole time, but that's where the, the new roster starts. Um, and USC will be able to bring in during this period up to 32 players, uh, seven, you know, transfers. And, uh, you know, it could be, it could be 32 transfers. It doesn't have to be that number, but the, the replacement for transfers, um, I believe have to also be transfers. So if you signed a full class of 25, you could bring in seven transfers, but most likely USC will bring in uh, a few more than that. Or, you know, if not, but you're going to sign as many players as possible and see what they can get up to. But there's, um, it doesn't matter the, the overall really number right now. We're just kind of keeping track as people drop off. USC still needs to be under 85 scholarship players when the roster rolls over. Uh, this summer, July, I think it's late July, something like that. You have to be at 85 or under, uh, but the initial counters um, right now. But if you look at the scholarship chart right now, um, I think there's there 70, way I have it with, uh, yeah, there's 78 players. So that would mean there's only um, seven more you could sign to get to 85. That's I think that's what part of uh, what John is worried about. I wouldn't worry about that number right now. There's going to be, several more players dropping off, dropping off, dropping off. So uh, that number is is likely not going to come much into play. But I, I don't think they're going to bring in a huge class. They'll probably get a few more signees from high school and then, you know, a bunch of transfers in. But they're, they're not bringing in bodies just for the sake of bodies, like I mentioned before. So a little long explanation there, Coach, but uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, it comes down to this. If you have great players that are freshmen and sophomore, you're in great shape. Okay, if they did the right job and you had great players when they were freshmen in sophomore, you, you've got a lot of great players re- returning. So you evaluate what type of class you had, your freshman and sophomore class on the football team that are making up the roster. And uh, like uh, uh, Kyle uh, Whittingham was saying, he feels pretty good about his team next year because he's got back, what, 72 players. They'll all come back and can play. So he feels pretty good, but he considers them all great players, and they really got better because they had all this period of time to to practice and know what it's like to play in a bowl game and know what it's all about. So if you have great players that are freshmen and sophomore, you look forward to the next year. So it all depends exactly what these players are and who they are 
as far as what he thinks he can do and what he needs to bring in. But I would agree on the portal portion, it's got to be players that can play right now. Don't bring anybody in to watch. Yeah. No, you're bringing in, you know, if you're bringing in like a graduate transfer, you're, they're expecting them to play. This isn't a, uh, this isn't a sit around and learn kind of thing. Uh, Roger Newport Beach wrote in, he said, Hey guys. And he's talking about Brandon Sosna, who we had on our show. We had him on Tunnel Vision, where we put it up as a podcast. Um, USC's chief of staff, uh, December 20, 20th, I believe it was the, you know, a few days before Christmas. He says, Brandon shared that the vitriol, quote vitriol, of the USC fan base can get him down. Dissatisfaction in game attendance, social media, and donations is actually healthy. It shows that we care. It would be worse if apathy set in and nobody responded to what went on the past few years. Lincoln Riley has not won one game here, but support for the program returned just knowing that you are trying. That is enough for now, Roger in Newport Beach. Well, I, I think, like I mentioned uh, a moment ago, that uh, with his announcement, it, there was a lot of optimism. I got calls from everybody calling me and saying, what do you think, Coach? What do you think? And, and so on and so on. I think it surprised the world as far as in coaching. I really did to get that type of coach to uh, leave Oklahoma, which really, you know, they got things going on. But I think going to the Southeastern Conference and other things helped and a big increase in pay increased him to come to Southern California. And I really do believe he likes Southern California. I think he'll like it as far as living here. And he reminds me of a, an outdoorsman type of guy. And he, I think right now he's somewhat confused too with all the negativism that went on at Oklahoma with him leaving and so on. That, that really hurts you. It's a hard thing to do, but it's a natural thing that happens. But uh, that'll soon be forgotten when he gets, uh, you know, his program going here. And and uh, I, I really think that I really like him as a coach, okay? I like him as a family guy. I like him because he's smart. He knows what he's doing. It isn't like he's learning on the job like most of the other head coaches, the last couple of head coaches have done, learned on the job, never done it before doesn't know what it is to play in a big game, all of, all of the above. He's been there. He knows what it's about. When you, when you go to a bowl game, he knows what it is. He knows what it is, what needs to be done during the spring. Uh, he knows what he requires from his coaches and so on. So you've got a guy that's uh, done a heart plant, uh, transplant before, okay? You always heard me say, is the guy you want your pilot to be the first time he ever flew a, an aircraft to be your pilot? Not me. I want a guy that's flown a lot of flights, and I think this guy has, Lincoln Riley, and I can't wait to see him again and talk with him and uh, welcome him to Southern California. But right now he's way too busy taking care of putting fuel in the airplane. Yeah. Don wrote in, he said, quote, edge rusher apparently is a term for a player that's not good enough to play every down. Corey Foreman, great edge rusher. Is he good enough to play every down? Was he overrated or poorly coached? Regards, Don. I think he was poorly coached. I think that uh, he didn't know what to expect, didn't know what to do. They had him dropping on some plays, doing this and that. He's a rush guy, okay? He's a guy that uh, you want in the backfield. He'll play this uh, defense perfectly. They'll put him in the right place where they bulk him up and make him a defensive end or put him down. But he's got to get back up to his weight of 260, 270 and uh, play football and be on the football field and tell him what they expect out of him. And if I was coaching him, I'd coach him hard, okay? I'd really coach him hard. He'd look at me, and, and, and he'd probably hate me. But I'd coach him hard. I, because I'd bring his potential out. He's got it in there. He's just got to find out. He's a, he's a young kid that needs to find out. You're not pushing around or bullying kids anymore. You're playing against men. And I think he can do that. And I think that uh, he's got that potential. Now, Jake, Drake, Jackson, I think they ruined him, Okay. I'm just telling you the truth, and I said it all the time on our podcast and all my other shows. I mean, the guy was never physical again. The guy didn't know what to do. He was thinking about it. When he rushed the quarterback, the few times he did, he had great success. But imagine bringing him every time when he's 260, 275 coming after you, and they have to double-team him and everything else. Now he's going into the draft, and he's going to have to change himself completely as far as his attitude, the way he plays, and plays hard, and not be confused, and all the different things that are required to be a champion type of football player. I mean, he, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they coach him. I don't think the players got better. I think they play players out of position, 
and all of the above, and they did a poor job recruiting. Uh, hard to disagree with you there, but yes. But, I mean, edge rushers, obviously, uh, they can be every down. You see plenty of them, but it, that wasn't the case. It was He was a freshman, too. He was just kind of figuring out, and he wasn't he wasn't healthy most of the time, so that's part of it also. Oh, that's the way they all think. You know, I'm healthy. If you got a cold, you're ready to die. I used to tell them that. It's just, <laughs> well, you got a heart problem? And they say, no. Then I say, well, you're ready to play then. If you had a heart problem, I'd worry about you. I want your heart to be ready. One last email. Not really a question here, but it's Ray um, from Florida. He says, happy birthday to you and many more to, to me. Uh, yeah, my birthday was before Christmas. So thank you, Ray, for that. Oh, happy birthday, Ryan. Uh, thanks, I Coach. think I tweeted that to you, but happy birthday. You don't have one gray hair either. Oh, I got plenty. I got a lot of the, a lot of grays. <laughs> uh, but he says, I've been with you since 2004. Thanks, Ray. Uh, you've kept us informed through good times and bad. I'm happy for your success and the success of the peristyle. I was always bitching the past couple of years, but I now have hope for the future. I live in Florida uh, the last four years and came here from Orange County. I live vicariously through the Trojans. Continue success and fight on. Uh, Ray in Florida, he says, I missed my season tickets, Section 10, Row 69. Um, sorry, Ray, I'm sure the, the people around you missed you in that section too. Um, but, yeah, thanks for the, the kind words. We appreciate it. And it's it's been great, you know, just seeing the renewed – Interest from the fan base uh, is is awesome. And, you know, we love doing this. We love covering it. But when there's more people interested in what we have to say or what we we talk about, it's better for us. And it's definitely been better coach since uh, USC hired Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we don't always sound – we don't – you know, and, and I try to tell you guys before, it's just my opinion, you know. I'm not up or down or I'm not trying to tell you – negative or positive. I'm just telling you the truth of how I look at it as a former coach and been around football all my life. As far as what I say, and if I don't do that, you wouldn't listen to me, okay? But you'd say, oh, that's not true. I have to, I have to. You don't have to believe it's true, but as far as me being around people and coaching players and recruiting players, I know what it's like, okay? So this is just my opinion, too. So if I upset you, I'm sorry, but I'm just giving you my opinion. Yeah. But thanks, uh, Ray, and thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks to you, Coach. Uh, another year, uh, another podcast. So it should be should be fun. Looking forward to uh, many, many more uh, in 2022. But thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you very much. And I just want to remind everybody, my final show on Sunday morning is this coming Sunday on AM 830. You can get that on uh, klaa.com, listen live. Be two hours from 10 to 12 with Chuck Hayes and myself. And and then I'm with my regular shows, and that sort of tells me, Ryan, I'm going to miss the football season, buddy. I'm going to miss it uh, as far as the actual playing time because we have uh, just a national championship game left. But we have some great recruiting and a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, looking forward to spring football, filling out the coaching staff, all of that fun stuff. But uh, anyway, let's go to wrap things up. For the coach, Charlie Hyde, I am Ryan Abraham. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 